and welcome to this episode of Football Thunders brought to you by Let Us Talk. Uh, the football team talking about mental health uh, using football and the proper blokes club walking and talking to help mental health. Uh, joining us tonight are Dan Finch and Ryan Scott. Later on the show, we'll talk about the greatest centre-backs indulging our game with pick, bench, pick, bench and sell. There we go. And then the Tsar will be amongst us for his choice of shithousery of the week. Before that, we all we have a special guest. Dan, it's all yours. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, so I'd like you to introduce yourself, Victoria, if that's OK, and tell us a bit about uh, the reason you're here to talk to us today. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Victoria. Um, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan based up in Sheffield, and I'm part of the Her Game 2 movement. So with the Her Game 2 movement, how did you, how did you get involved with it yourself? Um, so I'm actually on a podcast myself, um, and I've been on that for about six or seven years now. Um, there is another woman on the podcast, but I'm mainly the only woman. Um, and the sexist abuse that I received online has been horrific to the point that I've ended up leaving all social media. I had a bit of a mental breakdown. Um, and when I saw the Her Game 2 campaign, I got in touch with uh, Kaz and Lucy who were running it. Um, and just shared my own experiences and just said I'd love to get involved and fast forward three months and it seems to become another full-time job now so um, we are yeah it's just been something that the girls set up and it really resonated with me with everything that I've kind of been through uh, especially over the last couple of, years, couple of years actually so yeah I, I've got involved as a Sheffield Wednesday side of things um, it was originally co-founded by 12 women who all go to the football um, now, as things are getting more and more hectic, there's kind of like six of us that are doing a lot of the interviews and things like that. And the other girls are working as ambassadors for their football clubs. Um, so, yeah, it's been a crazy. The campaign's only six months old. I've been involved for half of that. And it's just one thing after another. It's just nonstop. Yeah, I mean, the spread of the, the movement has been fantastic, hasn't it? I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I, I follow the accounts. I followed Lucy for a long time on Twitter. So I followed yeah. it as from basically from a newborn theory till mm -hmm. now and the amount of clubs that it's reaching. I mean, even speaking for Cholton, who aren't officially joined in as part of the movement mm -hmm. in the last, I'd say, six months, there's a lady pitch announcer that shares. We've never had that before. Our um, fan correspondent is a, is a woman. The media for the, the younger, the kids, junior reds, as they're called, that's a young lady who's just turned 18. So it's really nice to see women getting involved and I think even if her game two aren't getting necessarily the credit they are playing a massive part in the movement itself and speaking as someone who comes from a family me and Ryan we're brothers uh, our mum has been going to Cholton for 20-30 years and although she says she hasn't necessarily dealt with problems she's seen them uh, being at football especially like stewards and, and stuff like that she was a steward herself so she's aware um, but as talking of the football inside um, would you say you said about sadly the abuse that you received is that mainly social media or is that in grounds too? Um, as I've gotten older and over the last probably five or ten years, it has been all on social media, really. There's the odd passing comment at the ground. There's always the odd thing that's kind of ingrained misogyny that's not on purpose and it genuinely isn't mm. on purpose. And that's something that we want to work with men to kind of realise what they're saying and not internalise that and try and actually understand why they're saying things. And that goes across a number of things. We've all got biases that we don't realise we've got or mm. we'll say things that are actually inappropriate. Um, but before that, I mean, I've been going home and away now for, I don't really go away anymore, but I used to go home and away from being about 17, 16, 17, and it was constant. Um, I think it was just a case of, 
you know, you couldn't be a pretty young girl going to the football. You had to be going because you wanted male attention or you had to be going because, you you know, you were after one of the players or all of these sort of ideas that come with it. Whereas actually, no, I was just watching Sheffield Wednesday, the same thing that I've done since I was three months old. I've had a season ticket um, and it's just something that it's just part of my life and it shouldn't matter what my gender is um so yeah but the last say probably five ten years it's all been on social media that's been horrendous um the the more aggressive the more nasty stuff like I've had death threats I've had rape threats I've had all sorts through Twitter um the worst one that I got was I don't know what I can say on this podcast no, and what go I got. on it's fine yeah um so the worst one I got was over last summer um so we had just agreed like a contract and got Darren Moore in as our manager um, after what had been a horrendous couple of years following Steve Bruce's departure. And I mean, even before that, you know, it had just been a complete mess in the managerial seat at Hillsborough. Um, we got Darren Moore and I, because of the podcast that I'm on and it's quite big in Sheffield, well, in Yorkshire, um, I tend to get phone calls from the local press and stuff who want mm. to talk to me about things when they happen. Um and I think as well, I've worked in radio for years, so I know what I'm doing. I know they know when they can ring me, they know that I'll, I can speak properly. <laughs> People might disagree if they hear my Yorkshire accent on this, but it works all right up here. Um, but I got a phone call from ITV local news asking if I'd do a quick Zoom interview because I was still in lockdown, just about Darren Moore and what I thought about him. I was super positive. Um, I didn't know much about him. Obviously, he's not really been around as a manager for that long. I knew him as a player more than a manager. Um, and I just said that it was exciting to have a young, hungry manager from this new generation of managers that we're seeing coming through now. You know, we see the news in Sheffield today about Paul Heckingbottom. We've got people who are coming through as managers who I remember as a player, and it's like a whole new generation. You know, your Fergies, your Arsene Wengers, they're all unfortunately Steve Bruce is still around but the rest of them are all kind of fading away now and it's a younger breed coming through and that was all I said that it was really exciting um and somebody on Twitter who was a Sheffield Wednesday fan commented saying I was a stupid bitch I had no idea Gary Monk was young why didn't I think he was young and hungry it was only because I fancied Darren Moore um and the worst bit was he tweeted and this got 32 likes um that his ideal match day would be grabbing a pork sandwich because we've got a pork sandwich shop in Hillsborough from this particular shop, walking through the park and finding me dead with a rope burn around my neck in the park on the way to the match. All because I'd said I was excited about Darren Moore being a young and hungry manager. Um, and that that was just a step too far. That was just, mm. I, had, I just deleted everything. I came off everything. I just couldn't cope with it. It was just horrendous. Like, the last couple of years, obviously, we've all been in lockdown. We've all been isolated. I live alone. So getting a message like that, and it felt it felt a bit like a threat. Like, I live in Hillsborough. I've walked my dog in Hillsborough Park. And that, to me, just felt like I wasn't safe to even go there anymore. Mm. Um, not only by the person who said it, but the 32 people who liked it. Um, it's since been deleted. Uh, I did screenshot it. I've still got the screenshot. I know exactly who it was. Um, but, yeah, so that, for me, was just way too far um and I know out of the 12 girls that are part of her game too that's not even the worst thing that people have had um so we we talk as a podcast quite a lot about the sort of misogyny that I get on social media and stuff like that and we um we all take it in terms like hosting and stuff like that it's normally me or my friend Dan um who are both ex-radio both just get on with it 
Um, and the other week he recorded a podcast and in the first two minutes of him being on, he literally got every player's name wrong. He got position wrong. He got ground wrong that we've been to. He got who'd been at home, who'd been away. And I texted him like, cause I was listening to it. I hadn't been on. And I was like, oh my God, if I'd have even got one of those things wrong, mm. the abuse that I would have got would have been ridiculous. And he got nothing. Yeah, it's um, sadly, that seems to be a bit of a big thing, isn't it? Especially mm-hmm. with pundits and, as you said, being on the radio. Alex Scott is one that yeah. obviously has recently taken over on the BBC and the, the shit she got when she started. And she's a really mm-hmm. good pundit. She um, is. She's, and she when she ripped. did the Euros and people were saying, you know, what, what qualifies her to do this? And it's like, she's got a first-class degree in sports journalism. Mm-hmm. She's captained, like, the most successful English women like lionesses ever mm. she's literally been to the Euros I think, I think they got to the final I think it was the World Cup quarterfinals and the Euros finals and yet there were still people asking you know and she had the double whammy of being a woman of colour as well that yeah. obviously again people don't like so it's just it's everywhere and I think there, there are the big stories like what we've gone through what Alex Scott goes through but there's also just the woman at the match who gets told to shut up and sit down or get back in the kitchen, make me a sandwich. You know, there's always with female physios, female linesmen, there's always comments made to them. And it's just things like that that aren't okay. Yeah, actually, that's a point that I was I had written down. Obviously, one of the best linesmen, in, in my uh, opinion, is Massey. Mm-hmm. Is it Sean Massey? Sean might, Massey, yeah. Yeah, might mispronounce it. She, she makes brilliant calls. We've had her down mm-hmm. the valley when we were in the championship before our impending relegation was confirmed. Um, she's fantastic and again people were picking on just because she's a woman yeah uh, Emma Hayes is the same Emma Hayes is another great great pundit who, who gets a lot of rubbish Sue Smith on Sky Sports is a bad pundit but that's just, <laughs> that's just my opinion I don't like her as a pundit um, but anyways we'll move on to my next question which was um, your family and friends when you told them you were going to get involved was it all just support and happy or was it did you get a, a weird reaction um, my parents were a bit standoffish just because they, my mum especially had seen, she's on Twitter, she sees a lot of the stuff that goes on. Um, my mum's gone to Hillsborough since, she, well, she's been going probably, f- how long, my mum and dad have been married 40 odd years and they've had season tickets since before they got married. She's been going since she was about five. So you're talking 60 years um, and she's seen it all. Like she's gone through these generations of all sorts of things that have been said at the football. So she was a bit kind of, one, she didn't want me to take on too much in my spare time because I already work two jobs and do some stuff for a charity. Um, and two, I think she'd just she'd seen the abuse last year and she saw where that hit me. Like that really, really got me. Um, we also had some stuff a few years ago. We did a charity interview video with Ladbrokes um, about being women at the football. And we talked about my dad. Um, my dad had just been diagnosed with cancer. And that was what the video was talking about, like how different life would be without him at the football. And even then, a oh, female Sheffield Wednesday fan said, if only my dad had died, she wouldn't have to hear me going on about it all the time. Oh, good. So I think my mum was just very like, and I must admit, when we, we've partnered with Sheffield Wednesday this week and they've been amazing. And I know the guys there really well. I worked there for a while. Um, when we were launching that, that was the bit that I was the most worried about and that my mum was the most worried about. Um, because that is where the abuse starts to come out. It's usually with our own fans. I've rarely had it from away fans. It's always from our own fans. Um, And I think I'd seen that 
the two girls from Bristol, uh, from Bristol Rovers, they get loads of abuse from Bristol Rovers fans um, and City fans, but mainly Rovers fans. Um, and then Amy, who's one of the founders, is a huge Swansea fan. She's got a massive following online. Like she's a bit of an influencer. She's got a really cool job. And the abuse that she gets from Swansea fans is just obscene. Um, and I just kind of, I was worried about that. I was just as excited as I was that my club was going to support it and I was going to see it on the screen at Hillsborough and you know it was just amazing but I was just dreading absolutely dreading the replies and actually there were only two out of hundreds and hundreds of like really positive ones there were two that targeted me um and to be honest they're just the ones that I, still, I saw because I just didn't go looking I just don't see the point in looking it's kind of it's in their face now um a lot of the people that get really annoyed about the campaign or say we're trying to erase men or we hate men like most of the people in my life who I absolutely adore are men like there's absolutely you know I go to the football therefore a lot of my friends are men um you know and it's the the amount of people that have just got it so wrong about what we're trying to do um mm. it's yeah it's been difficult but then there are people who get really really annoyed and they'll have bought the new football manager and they can't delete our advert off the, round, off the side of the pitch. So if you want to play that. it, you've got to yeah. see it. So. I have noticed that. That's a little win. <laughs> the, uh, that, one of the things you just said is, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, people that respond to you, it's, I, I always think a lot of it is it's jealousy. They, they kind of wish. And, also then, and then also not knowing kind of the reason. If, even if you just go onto the website, for instance, and you're looking at your about page, it's more than just, sexism or aimed at women you know it's so much more broad you met there's mention of racism and and that's arguably one of the biggest things in in the world not necessarily just football in yeah. everyday life so it's people not educating themselves not understanding what what the movement is and just getting upset because someone or some people are in the spotlight trying to make a difference yeah and a lot of the time you know we get told why don't you just go to the women's football um i personally i mean i played women's football growing up um, it was one way that I could keep involved in football outside of a Saturday afternoon. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was ever raised watching it. My dad watches quite a bit, like when it was on BBC and stuff like that. My dad always seems to watch it, and especially the Women's Super League. He has watched quite a lot. But I've just never been that bothered about women's football. It's not what I was brought up on. And I shouldn't have to change what I follow just because of my gender and just to please everyone else. The same as if you were going to the women's football and you're a man, why should you get, not be able to go to the women's football? And I think that's kind of, it's it's a fine balance between the amount of people who say that to us. And then you think, well, all right, then you go up to a bloke at the women's football and tell him you shouldn't be going to that because he's a man. Like, and they say, yeah, but that's different. Well, it's not, it's absolutely the same. Um, so yeah, so that's what we're working on. We're trying to, like, our biggest thing is education. Um, we've got loads of merchandise that, like, hoodies, um, shirts that we've had, like, donated by a company called Hope and Glory that have been amazing. Um, and the money that we raise from that goes towards supporting grassroots women's football. Um, so although none of us are particularly football players ourselves or, like, even particularly follow women's football, although we all seem to go to more and more now because we got into it, um, I think for all of us, we noticed that grassroots and playing football as a little girl was something that actually made you feel a bit more connected to the game. And we think that that's a really good place to start investing and supporting young girls. Um, because it does also give you that answer back when someone says, do you know the offside rule? Then you say, yeah, actually I do. And that's, you know, you can, 
even if you wanted to turn around and say no but I'm here because I like going uh, that's fine but to give like girls that power that they can turn around and say yes they completely understand and it it just gives them that bit more armor to them and they can use the campaign as a bit of a shield for that so even you just mentioned the WSL obviously the Women's Super mm -hmm. League even the, the 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 coverage of that I think that's really inspiring young girls um, yeah. the Cholton our women's team um, were quite big in the early 2000s Mm -hmm. Sadly, when the the men's team had financial issues, the women's team shut down to keep mm -hmm. the men's team alive. And in the last, I'd say, 10 years, we've kind of rebranded. And our current owner has also bought the women's team, which is really nice. So he's investing yeah. into them. The, their, their, their coverage, I think, is a lot wider now. There's a lot more interaction with the wider Cholton fan base, with the mm -hmm. women. Um, they play at a ground now not far from us, which and it's really well promoted in the local area. So I think even that from a young girl's point of view obviously I can't speak I wasn't a young girl but um you know just seeing it around women's football see, in our area we've got quite a few teams where it's yeah. I'm in South London so there's Cholton Millwall Palace we've got Welling Dartford who are lower league sides that also have women's football mm -hmm. so just the spread for a young girl and then as you said TV deals the England women's team being quite successful obviously uh, yeah, my household is a big in England women's if the England's women on my parents are watching it. I'm watching it. Mm -hmm. Keeping it, it's, it's an England team, as far as I'm concerned. So, mm -hmm. and we've got the Euros next year as well. So that's going to be exactly. huge for even the, the Olympics. Rest of the country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So fantastic. Tour. It's something that yeah, we don't. You know, we want to promote women's football as well as men's football. That's the thing, and it's about some a woman being able to go to any football match they want to go to and to feel safe and to not feel excluded. Um, and it's a choice like which game they go to. Um, one of our first partners actually was Millwall, um, who obviously I've been to Millwall a lot of times, um, not probably as much recently because now I'm a bit more aware of the situation that I'm putting myself in sometimes going there. And obviously when we play here, it, it's always quite a tense day and you know stuff always goes off. There's always Millwall leads. There's, there's always something. Um, but I think to see that Millwall as a club have kind of recognised that and they were one of the first people to cross the line and say, yes, we want to put this reporting system in place. We want to support you. And actually, they've been brilliant. And I think hopefully with clubs like that doing more, they're the sort of clubs that need to be doing something. And the fact that they have is great. And um, we're talking to Leeds United, who are another club, obviously, that have a bit of a reputation that is probably unfair in a lot of cases. Um but it's still there and that hopefully will make women feel safer there if we get that over the line. Um, and like I said, Sheffield Wednesday for me, that was that was the biggest one. That's that's taken a lot of work and it's just been amazing this week just to get that finally signed off and to not have gotten abuse for it, which was lovely. <laughs> Could you know the number out of the 92 football league clubs that you currently have? Uh, I don't know football league off the top of my head, um, but including grassroots, I think we're at about 34 now. We've announced five this week or four this week. We've got one big announcement tomorrow, which is a championship club, um, which is they've been amazing. Uh, and we are about to announce within the next two weeks our first Premier League club. Wow. Um, so that for us is just huge. We're now working with the FA. Um, it's just going from strength to strength. But obviously we're all volunteers. We don't we don't make any money. We're not even we haven't got a bank account yet. Like the money that we're donating from the, the shirts and stuff is going straight from the supplier to the grassroots football teams. Um, so it's getting to a point that we need to really work out how this is going to go forwards because we don't want it to be sort of a system where it's just run by loads of volunteers that 
don't get chance to answer emails. I don't get chance mm. to act on reports that we receive because that wouldn't be fair. That wouldn't be fair on the women that we make the promise to. Um, so yeah, I think the next six months for us is going to be huge. And obviously the Euros are hopefully going to be involved in that. And it's just going crazy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I saw, um, I think it was this morning, it might have been last night, the uh, link with Morecambe was announced. Yes, so that's Morecambe, a, another yeah. Skybet League one team, hopefully in the future Charlton as well. Because as I said, we are, we have a lot of um, women that are, as I said, are getting involved with the club. So mm-hmm. hopefully in the near future, we'll join that list too. So we'll move on to um, your life as a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Yeah. Uh, you, Sheffield Wednesday and Charlton, me and Pete are both Charlton fans. Um, for some reason, our club seem to stick together. If we go up, you go up. And then if we go down, yeah, yeah, we do tend up to. Joining us. It's probably one of the games that I've been to the most. I think it's one of yes, the away grounds too. that it's probably one of the furthest away and most difficult to get to for us. But it is one that I've probably been to the most. It's, it tends to be Charlton. I think Stoke as well. We used to be at a similar point with Stoke where we always seem to follow them around. Um, yeah. And Obviously, Rotherham and Barnsley locally were normally around them as well. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things, I think. The, 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 I was, me and Pete were trying to explain to Ryan, he's a Manchester United fan, so he's a little bit out of the loop of football league. Oh, he's devastated at the moment, obviously. Yeah, it's been really I mean, hard for him. I mean, I, was gutting, I, I laughed, but he, I don't think he was too pleased about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I was trying to explain to him that it's not... Charlton Sheffield Wednesday don't have a rivalry, mm-hmm. but when we play, there's this atmosphere i think because we played each other so often uh-huh. the the season in 2012 when we won the league and it was built i don't know how it was viewed in sheffield but it was viewed here as if the two sheffield clubs were so focused on each other that yeah. the fact that cholton came up to win the league was completely mind-boggling and no one believed it and then the next season there seemed to be both sheffield clubs were just digging at cholton for the fun of it on social media <laughs> Um, then obviously there was an incident with Barry Bannon where he got injured at a Charlton game mm-hmm. and that drew on. Uh, but yeah, Sheffield Wednesday themselves, how, what's your view on the current season? Um, it's, been, it's been a funny season. It's been one of those that we've obviously we've got Darren Moore and he is literally the nicest man in football. Everyone says it. Um, I've never met him, but everything that you read about him and what players say about him. Um, we were talking yesterday when we played on Tuesday night and we brought Josh Windows on who's been out for a few months now injured and he, you know, it's been a huge, huge loss to us. Um, we brought him on and after the game, he obviously scored an absolute wonder goal. And after the game, he was asked about Darren Moore and he said that he's given his injury a lot of respect. And he said, and that's something I've not really had from a manager before. So I think Sheffield Wednesday, we always tend to injure people quite quickly. Um, there's always like this ongoing joke as if like, is the training ground built on concrete? Like, because literally we'll sign someone and then they'll be out for the season. Yeah, we're the same. <laughs> it's, it's horrendous. <laughs> um, but I think going on what's been said recently over injuries, and we have got quite a few injuries at the moment. We've got some players coming back like Windass, like Luongo, um, but we have got quite a few out who are big, big players for us. So um We've got Patterson's out at the moment, injured. We've got Dominic Iorf is injured. Uh, there are quite a few. And I think it shows that we're actually taking it a lot more seriously this time. Um, obviously, we brought in Darren Moore. It was a positive move, but it was very ready for League One. Um, mm. I think we gave it as long as we could with previous managers. Um, and the chairman obviously went, now we need somebody who can who can sort League One for us. We need to go for a League One expert. Um which, to be honest, there's been quite a few games that have been mind-blowing, like tactics, lineups. You know, you've got your centre-forward playing at centre-half. 
you've got it's just been bizarre um even now we still sometimes play patterson like a wing back and we're playing um a guy that we've got on loan from wolves called corbino who's absolutely outstanding and he's going to be one of those loan players that breaks your heart because he will go on to do big things um we're playing him at wing back at the moment but it's working um we i think we're unbeaten in the league in quite a few now um We've had a horrendous trip to Plymouth the other week, but that's fine. It was the cup. We don't care. Um, so yeah, I think there's been a lot of silly points dropped. We've been we've been in a lot of winning positions and ended up like conceding a goal and going home with one point when it absolutely should have been three. And that happened probably five or six times over the space of like that amount of weeks as well. So it just felt like everything was getting a bit miserable. But then a few wins under your belt and all of a sudden, you know, he's up for manager of the month and everything else again. So it's just, it's been a funny few years, I think, for all football fans, well, for everyone with how we've had to live and, you know, not being in your stadium and stuff. But we've got a chairman who is a bizarre character, um, has the heart of gold by the sounds of it, but is not a football man, um, just a billionaire with two kids who wanted to own a football club two literally children who wanted to own a football club so he bought them one he bought them Sheffield Wednesday um and we've we've suffered with that for quite a while we we had a really good season where we were you know we were 90 minutes off the Premier League at Wembley mm. and then we've just freefalled kind of since then I mean we had the following year we got to the playoffs again um against Bright uh, Huddersfield um and then it's yeah it's just kind of gone downhill and obviously end of last season we came down but we had had the points deduction um, which again was bad management of finances from the chairman who was advised. So I think at the moment it's this season everyone expected us to shoot straight back up and I don't think I, we could do now. Um, I think this time, eight weeks ago, if you'd have asked me, that thought would have absolutely petrified me with the squad that we got and the way they were playing. But now I do think that we can push on from where we are. Um, but it's certainly not the best time I've ever had as a Sheffield Wednesday fan when, you know, I've watched David Hurst and Chris Waddle and now I'm watching, you know, Florian, Florian Camberry and Callum Patterson. It's <laughs> not really the same. Um, but, you know, we're, we're not famous anymore. And that's something that we kind of, I think Charlton are quite similar in Forest, and there are quite a few teams like that that have once been up there and do still get the massive crowds and therefore fans expect that you should still be there and we had that this season and we have to keep saying like on our podcast like it's we deserve to be here like we're in league one because we're crap like yeah. we went down because we were crap Um, we didn't you know we we didn't go through when we we're in the playoff semi-finals against Huddersfield at home and it went to penalties and Jordan Rhodes didn't take one because he was nervous against his old team in the playoff semi-final in front of the cop that's why we're down here. Like didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a real thing. Honestly, really. yeah. Too nervous to oh. take a penalty in front of the cop in the playoff semi-final to get to Wembley against his old team. Didn't take a penalty. Um, the money I mean, he was on as well. Yeah, 30 odd grand a week, which, you know, in Sheffield, 30 odd grand a year and you're living a very nice life. 30 odd mm. grand a week in Sheffield is just obscene. Um, and yeah, he, I mean, his. The, we've had a few players over the years where they'll go down in history in a very bad way. He's one of them. You know, he was a very, very expensive mistake that happened three years later than it should have done. If we were ever going to sign him and spend, you know, record transfer fee on him, 
it should have been three years before we did it. Um, we've we've had players like we had Irby Emanuelson never kicked a ball for us, but he cost an absolute fortune. Um, we've but then we've you know we've had players that have come through and they've gone on to do amazing things. Like Mikhail Antonio was one that yeah, I remember. The, I think, Phenomenal. If I'm correct, I think we played you going back a few years. You had Antonio and one and Jeremy Heelan, I want to say yes. on the other side. Yeah. Frightened the crap out of me whenever we played you. Yeah. So far, so physical. And we, we've had some terrible defenders. And watching them two rip us apart was not fun. Yeah, they were class <laughs> together. And now obviously Antonio's doing it in the in the big time. And mm. you know, he's always he was one of those players that you spotted him. Um we had Ben Marshall a long time ago as well. Um and I know off the pitch he's had some problems and I think he's he's in non-league now. But mm. at the time he was just phenomenal and he was set to be, you know, the next big thing. And he was one of those lone players again that breaks your heart. Um not so long ago we had Michael Hector, who's obviously now moved back and he's doing his thing and we're still devastated. And it's one of those, it's just every year we have these loan players. Um and unfortunately that's been a financial thing for the last few years as well. That we've had to rely on a lot of loan players, and then you do see them move on and do better things. And it's devastating. Um sometimes they come back. We had Connor Wickham came back a few times, didn't work out the last time he did. Um, but yeah, it's usually quite <laughs> Quite a heartbreaking situation. And we've got that at the moment with, like I said, Corbino. Um, who else have we got at the moment on loan? I think a couple of the strikers that we've got are on loan. Um, Cam- I know Pe- Camberry is, but... Yeah, Camberry is, uh, Peacock Farrell is. So we've got these players that, again, it's like, oh, <laughs> we're going to lose them at some point. Uh, I think Corbino for us is probably one of our players this season that we've really got to... He's one to watch. Um same for um we've just brought a guy back from injury called Massimo Luongo. Mm. Um he's Australian or New Zealand. And he, yeah, he's phenomenal. Um he came back from injury on Tuesday night, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and we came back from one nil to win two one. And that was all him and Windass, like absolutely. He allows Barry Bannon to be Barry Bannon. Um so I think with those two back, that's huge for us now. So if we can keep them fit. Windass and um, Luongo, then good times are coming, I think. But at the moment, it's a pretty crap league. If you look and you think we've had a really poor run and two wins and we're back up to in the playoffs, it's just, it's one of those leagues that it could go anywhere, really. Yeah, I think, what, are we 20, are we 20 games into the season yet? Or just under, I think? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ni- 19, I think we are. I think there's quite a few still on 17. Four or five games ago, we were second and third from bottom. And mm-hmm. the turnaround we've had, we're now, I think, eight points off the playoffs. Yeah. A- anything's possible. Your point about loans, our two best players, arguably, right now, Elliot Lee uh, from Luton and Jonathan Lecco from um, West Brom. Mm-hmm. Without them, especially without Elliot Lee, I don't think we have many points this season. So it's heartbreaking when you lose a loan player. We had Connor Gallagher the year we came, we got relegated mm-hmm. to, to uh, back to League One. He left us in the January to go to Swansea. If we keep him, we stay in the league because yeah. his quality was so good. And now he's playing for Palace, which breaks every Charlton fan's heart. But um, I mean, anyone I playing for Palace breaks our heart. So it it's, it's one of those things, though, isn't it? We've got a classic at the moment with Barry Bannon in that he's one of those players that we could have made some money on. Um, we could still now. He's easily one of, if not the best centre midfield in the league. He's absolutely outstanding. Um 
and you know we've had interest from Premier League clubs we've had all like from all over the place and the guy's committed to us to the end of his mm. career and like I've, I know him and I know him personally and he is absolutely dedicated to this football club and you know he met his missus here his little girl lives here and everything everything in his life revolves around Sheffield Wednesday you know his dad sits near us in the pub and I think it's sometimes you get that fairy tale where a player says they'll stick with you and they do mm. um and then sometimes yeah it just it is heartbreaking but like so that's the nature of being a a biggish club that needs to get back to where they are but doesn't really have the funds or the ways of doing it like we've got a lot of players at the moment like we've got Lee Gregory um who's yeah Lee Gregory's the same age as me we used to knock around together when we were teenagers and he was an electrician and now he's playing mm. up front for Wednesday at 33 years old it's just like it's absolute sort of fairy tale story um but like with him he's like I said 33 he did come into football quite a bit later because like he was an electrician um until he was in his 20s so he probably mm. has got that extra few years in him that a striker probably wouldn't normally have at 30 odd but a lot of the players that we've got now are they're just a, a short-term project because a lot of them are at the end of the career we, because that's all we can kind of attract in this league and mm. you know you need players who are willing to take five grand a week pay cuts come to a lower league and and one of the other big issues that we get is Hillsborough seems to be a lot and, it, and rightly so because it would be if we got up to the Premier League you know we'd be thinking it about Chelsea, Man U etc but it's a huge ground that fans like Fleetwood or you know we've played Plymouth, um, we had Accrington the other day, um, like those sort of fans have never been to a ground like Hillsborough mm. before, and players have never played in front of 20,000 yeah, people That's the point before. I was about to bring up. Yeah, yeah, like so players, when they come they to the Valley, up. they say it to us, they say in interviews, we want to win here, we want to win at Charlton at yeah. the Valley, it's a big club. Um, you made a really interesting point about um, Lee, uh, Lee Gregory, He's, he'll <laughs> score against us by the way, because when he was at Mill, he scored for fun against us. Yeah, he so, did against us. <laughs> so that would be fine. But um, you said about Barry Bannon and Charlton's mm-hmm. current manager interim is Johnny Jackson. Mm-hmm. And we, he had a very similar journey. He spent a lot of time with Tottenham as a kid, was at Colchester, Notts County, came to us, has been up twice, down twice, yeah. stayed loyal, was a coach, got interim, then stayed as an assistant, hopefully now gets his chance. It's really nice when you hear a story like, like you said about Barry, like we have with Johnny. Yeah. And maybe, you know, you never know one day he's a coach at a club or even if he doesn't coach, he sticks with the club. Yeah, I mean, he's gone to be captain now. We had it with um, Lee Bullen as well, who's still in and around the football club. He was captain, gosh, 2005, I think it was, when we last got out of League One by the playoffs um, when we were at Cardiff because Wembley was being redone. So, yeah, it must have been 2005. Um, We had Lee Bullen, then he was our captain. He's literally played in every single position for Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, We've He's he was in goal against Millwall uh, and made some absolute shot stoppers. Like it was ridiculous. He had to go in net and we still, I think we still, we either won it or we drew. I can't, or it wasn't as horrendous as it could have been. Uh, it was years ago now. Um, and then obviously captain does to the playoff final win stuck with us to the end of his career, maybe give or take a move to Scotland or Cyprus or somewhere like that. But really ended it here and he's still he coaches our academy now uh he's been interim manager he's been assistant manager he's been director of, he's done everything every role apart from tea lady at the club pretty much he's done um and he's just one of those people like he just he's moved to sheffield you know he's from aberdeen he now lives in sheffield and he is a sheffield guy and that is nice when you get that um 
so yeah we'll see with Barry Bannon I'd like to think that he'll see out his career here I think he will um I hope he will and we've done that again with like Sam Hutchinson we had um we had a very bizarre couple of years where we had a guy called Jos Lukai in charge and he was a bizarre bizarre man um I think he was Dutch um strange little moustache very very odd and he ended up he went to I think he's did you go to St Pauli? I think he's just been at either St Pauli or Hertha or somewhere like that. Um, and he came in and he ostracised like three or four of our main players, like refused to play Sam Hutchinson, refused to play Kieran Westwood. There was like an argument and it was just oh, I remember this, this yeah. really weird situation that happened. And then Sam Hutchinson ended up, he went to Cyprus, I think, as well. Um, Westwood just sat on the bench, just didn't, nothing happened, nothing was said. And it was all very strange. And then as soon as I think it was Pulis came in, he brought back Hutchinson straight away. Um, mm. So now we've got him again at the end of his career. He's probably like mid thirties, but he's a character that needs to be around. He's a true professional. Um, obviously played at Chelsea and then through to us. And so we're starting to make amends with things like that, I think. And we're starting to, uh, we have got players at the twilight of the career, but the kind of the characters that you need to be around the football club for a while. Mm. So last question before mm -hmm. uh, we let you go and enjoy your evening and plug away. Um, Sado Berahino signed for Sheffield Wednesday, completely out of random. And I think everyone in football, I noticed everyone, no matter who they supported, stopped and on social media was saying, where the hell's that come from? It I mean, they can you. have him. If they want him back, I will carry him there myself. That, He's absolutely good, he? diabolical. <laughs> he is shocking. And we... It's it's been one of these sort of situations that we've we've all talked about in the pub. We've all like, and the only sort of realize well, the only agreement that we've all kind of come to, and this is from like three or four different groups of fans that I've spoken to, is that he genuinely feels like he's doing us a favor, and like it's this whole like oh he's moved for twenty five million in his career and all of this. Well, I'm yet to see what that was because he. I mean Tuesday night when we just beat. Um, Come on, we could just beat him. Accrington. <laughs> Accrington Stanley, yes. Yeah. No, that was Saturday. Uh, Tuesday night, we... Oh, God. I'm trying to forget you. MK we... Dons. MK Dons beat on Tuesday night. Uh, we were losing 1-0, came back to 2-1. Uh, but like I said, it was Luongo and um, Windass that did that. But Berahino came on, and I honestly couldn't tell you what he did. <laughs> like, it... He's terrible. And every Sheffield Wednesday podcast that you listen to or anything, they all say the same. It's just such a weird situation. And especially like because Darren Moore sang his praises and because he's such a nice man, we all kind of believed it. And then mm. it's just a weird one. And I think he's trying to get like that last one big move, you know, to go to a decent championship side, um, maybe even a bottom three Premier Premier League side. Um and I just don't see how he's going to do it because it's just, he's not pulling up any trees for us. He's just kind of yeah, just I, there. I had a look at his stats. I think he's one goal, one assist in 12 appearances. That's mm -hmm. that's not going to get you a move anywhere. Um, no. But that's, it's a shame for him because obviously his career was hyped to be a big thing and he was spoke about quite, because I think he either signed just before we played you on the opening game or just after. Mm -hmm. And I was a bit nervous if he played against us he'd rip us apart but it sounds like he doesn't offer much yeah I think if he played against me I wouldn't be, I wouldn't <laughs> be worried about it to be honest yeah I, I, I genuinely am one of those fans that you know I really really hope he proves me wrong I will hold my hands up um we've had similar with a centre-half that we've got called Che Dunkley 
um, where he was appalling for like three or four games. He was just, it, it looked like he'd never seen football before. And then all of a sudden, the confidence he's picked up, he's scoring for fun, he's centre-half, um, he's playing, we're playing through him all the time and he's acting like a captain. And that's something that we've all kind of just turned around and gone, wow, sorry, yeah, all right, you've proved it, you've settled in, mm. you've proved it. If Berahino can do that, I will be amazed because I just do not see it at all. And I don't think there's space for him now. I just... I, I can only imagine that he's come on some sort of deal that isn't costing us as much as what people think it is, because mm. I just don't see it. I really don't. Yeah. Well, Victoria, thank you very much. Before you, you go, please promote yourself and her game too in any social media channels or podcast you want to promote. Please. Uh, yeah. So I'm on the Wednesday week podcast, uh, which is, as you can imagine, all about Sheffield Wednesday. Um, her game too. You can find us on Twitter at her game too. And the website is hergame2.co.uk. And my best ever centre half is Des Walker. Can I say Des Walker? That'll yeah. do. Yeah. I'm sure that'll we'll go turn Walker. up somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, okay. Victoria. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Well, great interview with uh, Victoria, Dan. Get involved with uh, uh, her going to go and follow them on Twitter and on social media. Uh, now we come to the part of the show. This is uh, this is where the arguments, things get a bit salty around this bit. Or oh, start to, anyway, uh, before we play pick, uh, was it pick, bench and sell and shit hours. We've got to look at the players, our pick of players. And uh, it's a broad range of players because of our ages. Some of us are considerably more experienced and older than others, and some are a little bit younger. So that is reflected in our choices. Uh, tonight, at uh, this time around, it's centre-backs, isn't it? Uh, Ryan, centre-backs? Yes. And yeah. Now, listen, can we can we agree to limit the list? I mean, we can't be here all night. Well, no. I've, well, I've, I've got... I'm looking at you in particular. <laughs> I'm looking I know you're looking at me. So what I'm going to say to you, I want your top five. My top five, pairs your, or centre-halves? Top five centre-halves, and then out of that, I want somewhere along the line, I want your pairing. I've got I've right. got 11, which I'm assuming cuts into Ryan's list quite nicely. So, so that's fine. So let's, um, can I, shall I start? Because I'm old, old bastard. Oh, so who was your favourite centre-back in 1925? Come on. No, I mean, I grew up, and I'm, I'm, I was lucky growing up when I did to see some sort of like people like Franz Beckenbauer playing at centre-back. Uh, as a, just amazing. Bobby Moore was, uh, uh, I mean, I only saw him on telly. Bobby Moore was out of this world because he wasn't the quickest player in the world, but he was the quickest in, the, in, it's in his head and his positioning. I never saw him have a bad game until he left West Ham and joined Fulham. Then he had a couple of bad games. But uh, to me, he was absolutely immense. And, and, and when you get a player who played against him like Pele, who says that he's one of the best players he ever played against. It gives you the level. So Bobby Moore's my first pick. I'm coming a bit further up now. Baresi, Franco Baresi, for me, uh, just uh, uh, at uh, AC Milan. And, and for how long he... I mean, he didn't go quite on long, quite as long as Maldini, but he went on quite a, a long, long time. And he was just a player that I never saw ever, ever have a bad game. Just a superb defender. Um, it's funny, didn't, that my next choice, Cannavaro, uh, World Cup winning captain. To look at him, he looks quite tiny compared to your average centre-back. He doesn't look that he should be playing at centre-back, but he was just, just one of the best I've seen. Um, and that's, uh, and then I've got um, 
Yapstam to me. Uh, Yapstam, I loved Yapstam, and Fergie admits it's a mistake to get rid of him. Yapstam was immense, and along, another one alongside him, Vidic. Really loved Vidic. No nonsense. I like a centre-back that doesn't take any crap. And Vidic was for me was uh, Dan thinks I'm stinking the place out with that suggestion, but that's fine. I mean, that's it's all about opinions, and you've muted yourself, Dan. By the you, way, that's whiffy. It's not whiffy. I think it's it's perfectly valid. No, it's whiffy. But my centre back pairing would be uh, Vidic and Ferdinand. I thought they were superb together. Really did, really did. Uh, I'm not having John Terry in there because I can't stand the bloke. So uh, on that basis alone, you can do one. Another honourable mention for Marcel Desailly in his prime. In his prime. Uh, but yeah, who's next? Go on then. Oh, do you want to pick the bones out of that lot? So you can't argue with Bobby Moore, can you really? No. Nope. I'd like to argue with Vidic, if that's okay. Yeah, no, no, but all right, we'll come to him in a minute. But Barese, anyone arguing <laughs> about Barese? No, he's no. one of the best I've ever <laughs> no. seen in my life. <laughs> Cannavaro. He's on my list, top of my list. Yeah. And Not as yeah. good as Barese, but yes, yeah, no, he no, deserves to be up there. Vidic, see, I like a player with a bit of menace about him, and to me, Vidic had a bit of menace about him. I don't, I don't want a ball playing central defender. I don't want someone with. I want a menace. I want someone with menace. Yapstam and Vidic. Yapstam was just a beast. I wouldn't want to come up against him, but uh, yeah, Vidic. Vidic. What's a, Vidic. I, I let Ryan go last because he's the United fan. Vidic for me. He's a, he's a walking suspension. Oh, that's besides the point. <laughs> no, I, I like it. Vidic was good. I don't think he was on that top tier. I think te- they were, as a pair, were fantastic. Ferdinand, what I mean, Ferdinand, it was one of the best ever, uh, especially English-wise. Um, so I think they were a good pair. But for me, Vidic had that mistake that I thought wasn't noticed because Ever was covering him, Ferdinand was covering him. And it made him look much better. I think if he wasn't alongside Ferdinand that often, I don't think he'd be mentioned. Ryan? I agree with Dan. I think Vidic is massively overrated. Pair Um, of bastards. He had a habit of getting sent off. He had a habit of scoring own goals. Quite a few own goals. See, this is the thing Um, I like. Yeah, yeah, you're you're yeah. You're thinking as a football manager, I'm I think you're thinking I don't want my centre back getting sent off. I want my fan, I don't want that. I want my centre back to be a bit of a thug. And his Vidic Superman impressions, his Superman impressions in giving away penalties was startling. <laughs> the, the arm came out, he punched the ball away, penalty. <laughs> I think Dan nailed it, to be honest. Having Rio next to him more than ever was really? just, okay. he really covered his rear end. Yapstam, though. Yapstam, he's on my list. He was a very good defender in a lot of aspects. But his reading of the game wasn't very good. He could uh, recovery tackles and using his pace and his strength, it was excellent. But his reading of the game wasn't very good. So he doesn't get to the top tier for me. Uh, but my pairing, as a defensive pairing, I'm definitely having Ferdinand and Vidic for me. I just thought they complemented each other. Dan doesn't agree, do you? No, well, so I'll get on to mine because you mentioned one half of my pairing. Mine's an international mm-hmm. pairing, so I'm hoping that's okay and not kind of uh, Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned Fabio Cannavaro. Yep. Uh, next to him when they won the World Cup was Alessandro Nesta. Um, <laughs> you've got to mention Alessandro Nesta. <laughs> I didn't not forget. Only, I didn't forget. I, it's just not one that I, I preferred Cannavaro. When I like them both. Like that World Cup team, you you weren't attacking through the middle because you weren't going to bother scoring. Uh, he was played for AC Milan for twenty something years. Started as their captain. Uh, less as his managerial career, we won't go too deep into. But as a footballer <laughs> at AC Milan. 
as a kid, I loved Alessandro Nesta. He was someone that, uh, when you watched him, he just controlled a game from centre-back. No one wanted to take him on physically. He had enough pace to deal with any real problems. Um, and, yeah, he's a beautiful human being. OK, who else have you got, Dan? Uh, so my other one that I'm not sure... I mean, Virgil van Dijk from current day gets a big shout. Ruben Diaz uh, from current day. There's another pairing that I considered, but I, I didn't quite pick them because of their time at Barcelona. I love Carlos Poyol. Um, and obviously, he was alongside Gerard Piquet. Piquet. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic for Spain and Barcelona. But given the team around them, like I could be fantastic for Spain and Barcelona with the team that they had around them at that point. So Yeah, but you've still got to defend, haven't you? Yeah, well, they didn't do any defending. And, 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 <laughs> but yeah, but if they were need called upon, they, they did the job, didn't they? I mean, that's the thing. Uh, so John Terry, you not, pushed away. Yeah, not having him. I mean, makes the no. list. The one that I'm not sure you two would agree with, but I put on there is Max Hummels. I thought he was fantastic for Germany and, and Bayern Munich, Dortmund. Obviously, now his legs have gone. We saw him at the Euros, not quite where he used to be. Yeah, uh, I think Dortmund are actually playing him in midfield at the minute, which is an interesting. That's probably why they get spanked up by Sporting Lisbon. <laughs> but um, Marcel Desailly is on my list, and the other one is Lucio. The centre back used to play at Bayern Munich. Yep, yep. Brazilian. Uh, yep. I uh, really liked him. Uh, he used to play in the centre of their five, and I thought he was uh, under another one that I think was underrated because he was part of that Brazil team. That everyone looked at the flashiness of Ronaldinho and Rivaldo, Ronaldo, uh, not Dani Alves, Cafu. <laughs> and Lucio was there at the back and did hard work. Um, I didn't necessarily like his partner, which was Roque Jr., I believe, at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think Lu- Lucio worked really hard. Um, and uh, Thiago Silva, I think, deserves a shout as well for some of his younger day when he was at Milan as well. What's your centre-back pairing then? Oh, Nestor and Cannavaro. Nestor and Cannavaro. Okay. If I could ask you one question, who's your favourite uh, centre-back at Charlton Athletic of all time? And I'll, I'll ask this of you, Ryan, for Man United, so get that one ready, of all time. It- in talent or just favourite? Yeah, favourite. And why? Well, Leon, it's Leon Court. <laughs> because a man that big, a man that big, should ha- and with those legs, should have no right to be able to play football. Yeah. But if you're talking talent, it, I mean, it's George Costa, <laughs> yeah. Richard Rufus. Rufus. Uh, Chris Perry not getting in there, Dan. I liked Chris Perry. I know fun. you like Chris Perry. R- R- Richard Rufus was better. Chris <laughs> Perry deserves a shout. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's probably Richard Rufus overall. Chris Perry deserves a shout as George Costa. Leon Court's my favourite, though. Always will be. I think uh, I love oh. Court. But also, Patrick, we need to shout out Patrick Bauer because did score the best goal of my life. So, the big thank, you, thank you, Patrick. I think Richard Rufus definitely is up there. Leon Court, genuinely nice fellow as well. Uh, a really great defender. Genuinely nice fellow and a very good defender. George Costa and Rufus, for me, are the ones... At Charlton. Ryan. For Manchester United uh, or for my list? Let's do let's do your list. I'll do no, do Manchester United first because we're on that. Who's your greatest Man United defender? A central defender, bar none. It doesn't have to be the best. Who's your favourite? My favourite yeah. over. Oh, blimey. Who's on that shirt? That's difficult. Well, I know, you know. My favourite would actually probably be Gary Pallister. I actually thought he was the first ball-playing defender of the Premier League era that was actually a noticeable ball player. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Um, so yeah, a tough time when he first signed, you know, man. Yeah, I remember that vividly. Well, my the other reason why I love him so much is, is he had a great love affair of chocolate confectionery. 
So I could really bond with him <laughs> on chocolate bars. <laughs> <laughs> when he first when he first came to uh, to Man U, he, at the first first uh, six months or so, he was he was like a, a walking mistake at times, and everyone was slagging him off and saying he's not worth a penny. And Ferguson just kept kept playing him and kept playing him because Ferguson knew that you know the the consistency would come and the mistakes would go and the experience would lift him to where he, he should have had more England caps although he was up against some some pretty decent defenders and on the England, on the England side. well i mean you say that his partner steve bruce who's on my list Uncapped, he didn't even get un, yeah he didn't he never even got a cap for yeah. england like Rufus, figure that one out rufus should have done that rufus not played for charlton he played for a bigger side he would have been capped for england he was that good but Steve Bruce, that was an absolute mystery to me, how he never got a cap. And I, I quite like Bruce here as a player. Uh, Dan, you got a point here? Just, it's not, well, it's not really a point, but it's just for Ryan, because you see, Ryan wasn't on the interview with Victoria, which you, you listeners would have heard already. Yeah. Um, she mentioned Des Walker to add to the list as well, yeah, as Des a Sheffield Walker. Wednesday fan. And I think Pete was quite <laughs> happy with that. He seemed to like that one. Yeah, Des Walker. Uh, I love Des Walker because there's that England 1990 defence and it was all about Mark Wright, Terry Butcher and Des Walker, the three at the back. When we played three, Mark Wright would be the sweeper. But you had Butcher, who was the animal at the back, the absolute animal. And you had Des Walker, who was just... No one outran Des Walker. Unfortunately for Des Walker, Graham Taylor took over uh, and he made a mistake in a game against Holland and Graham Taylor never forgave him for it. But, I mean, Des Walker was that good. He went out to Italy uh, and played in Italy. That'll tell you the level of player that Des Walker was. Absolutely superb England player. Should have had more cups back for the for Graham Taylor. Bless him, he's no longer with us. But he should never have been England manager. And he, he made a complete mess of that squad that was there. Carry on, Ryan. Right. Yeah, so that's Gary Palace is probably my all-time favourite for Man United. Right, OK, that's good. Let's get on to your five. Honourable, you want you want the fives, or have I got to miss out the honourable mentions? Because you quick, oh, quick honourable. You used you, you two have taken a big chunk out of my list. So Fernando Couto for Portugal. Oh yeah, he was good. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. Ivan, uh, yeah, alongside George Costa. Let's study on. Yep. Yeah. Ivan Cordoba, <laughs> the Colombian at Inter Milan. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Angel Nadal at Barcelona, more affectionately known as the Beast. Beast. He was the Beast. Yeah. Rafa Nadal's dad. No, 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 but he, no, no, Rafa Nadal is, 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 a, is a timid little mouse alongside oh, the beast. But his dad played football, so I didn't know if that was him. I don't think so. Fernando Hierro at Real Madrid before he came to Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yes. yes, yes, yes. One you guys might not know is Sinisa Mihailovic, who used to play for Lazio. Uh, uh, I do know Sinisa Mihailovic, he was very good, yeah. He was very good, he was dirty as sin as well, but he was very good. Um... Tony Adams and Sol Campbell haven't been mentioned either. Um, Giorgio Chiellini and Bonucci, neither of you have mentioned either. And we've just seen what they did at the, the recent Euros. Yeah, sorted. That's why they're not on the list. Uh, Frank De Boer. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's honest and that's a fair point. Frank fair De Boer um, from Holland as well, uh, along with his centre-half pairing uh, with Danny Blind, Daly Blind's father, when they were both at Ajax together. Right. Um, and the last one on my list is Alessandro Costa Corta, who was beside Berezi yeah. oh, at Milan. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. No, there's probably no real surprise here. Berezi and Costa Corta are probably the best pairing I've ever seen in my life. Right. So they're, they're top of the pops with uh, Bruce and Pallister in second. 
and Chiellini and Bonucci in third. There you go. I've made that as quick as possible. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. That, that's Which fine. leads on nicely Can to Can I the... just go back Sorry, to go Nadal for you? I've done some research on this. Yep. His dad was Sebastian Nadal Hamar, a businessman. His uncle was Miguel Angel Nadal, uh, his the uncle. beast. His uncle was the beast. There you go. There you um, go. This, this segues quite nicely into the shithousery section of the evening because, as always, I've got... A, I've got Pick bench cell for the three of you from Cholton. Oh, so oh. we'll start with Dan first. Leon Cole. Here we go. This right. is going to be fucking terrible. We'll start. Uh, well, no, this this one might be nice. It might be horrible. You don't right. know. Dan, Chris Perry, <gasps> Esri Consa, oh. or Joe Gomez. Right. Question: Is uh, it their time at Cholton or overall? Yeah. Time at Cholton. Oh, You're a Charlton fan. Chris, Chris Perry starts. Yeah. Yep. Joe Gomez on the bench. Oh, I, don't, I have to tell Esri. That's upsetting, but I have to because Chris Perry was the best one because we had him in the Premier League. Right. Joe Gomez was ready, but we played didn't get right a, back. We saw him play. Yeah, for us, he played mostly wing back. And then Esri Concert. Esri Concert was a centre mid when he came through. We, we're the ones who turned him into a centre-back. Yeah. I saw um, Gomez's first appearance in a uh, first-team shirt uh, in Belgium uh, alongside Andre BK at, at the back, and he made BK look dead bang, bang average. Uh, he just bossed the game against uh, uh, um, Centroden uh, at the back, Gomez, at 17. I remember uh, my co-commentator and I were watching him play in an FA Youth Cup game. Both of us said... After the game, he will play for England because he was that good at, at like 14, 15 when I first saw him. But yeah. And I've got one for Pete as well, not to be left out. So Morning. Steve Steve Brown. Yep. He won't Mark let down. Fish. Oh, yeah. Or, or George Costa. George Costa, pick. Mark Fish, bench. Steve Brown. I oh, won't like you for that. He, he'll, he, I hope he does. He, he'll probably, he, yeah, he's been making comments anyway. I'm in trouble on that one. <laughs> Brown dog will be after me. Uh, all right, for you, Ryan. Go on. This should be interesting. Go on. Costa Curta. Oh, right. Nesta. Barese. Oh, <laughs> Barese starts. Stand the fuck out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's evil, isn't it? Barese starts. Yeah. Nesta makes the bench, and I'd have to sell Costa Quarter purely for the fact, just because. I'd agree with that. Just because Costa Quarter was in no way a bad defender, but when you play next to Barese, you can't help but look second best. So, off of those three, yeah, unfortunately, I'd, I wouldn't want to. If, if I had a choice, I'd play all three at the back, but. Yeah, I'd, I'd sell Costa Quarter, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> right, all right, Ryan, I've got one for you. Oh. Go on, then. This, I think this one might be quite easy. So it's not a bad one. John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Sol Campbell. Oh, yeah, that's no, no, not no. as easy as actually as you think. No, no. Um, I mean, I, I've got my, my... I made my decision quite quickly. But I think you might make the same. Rio Ferdinand starts. Damn straight, does. Sol Campbell's on the bench and I fuck off John Terry. I was the other way around with Terry and Campbell. Nah. Rio started. If, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm getting shot at Campbell there. 
I, I all I will say is this: if you're that much of a shit houser that you don't play a final, you put your kit on and walk up and collect the trophy. <laughs> you don't that's deserve to be that's, in my that's, team. That's not shit housery. That's just genius. No, no, no that's shit housery. That is complete shit housery. Also, he went on national TV in the Tottenham shirt, said he was staying, and then signed for their arch rival. Yeah, yeah, right. that's shit housery yeah. too. That's shit housery. Moving from <laughs> moving from uh, one deadly rival to another. That's shit housery for I'm, free. I completely forgot an honourable mention for Chiro Ferrara from Juve back in the 90s. But whoops. Mm. Oh, well. Okay, Dan, Marcel Desailly. Rod Fanny. Laurent Blanc. Ooh. Or... Frank Leboeuf. Carlos Puyol. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, yeah. who's the first one? Laurent Blanc, Marcel Desailly, or Carlos so Puyol. I, I, I don't remember Laurent Blanc at all. He doesn't oh, that's easy for head. you then. Elegant. But I, I, I Elegant. remember Desai playing at the Valley and taking the piss out of every every, every single Charlton player that came near him. Um, so I'm just going to start Desai and I'll bench Poyol and I'll sell Blanc just on the basis that I don't honestly know I can judge. That's fair enough. Uh, Poyol I loved, but as I said, if I, we never saw Poyol anywhere else apart from Barcelona. I like the quite. I don't know if you've seen it. Barcelona were playing a Champions League game, and uh, one of their players started celebrating, and he went mental at them. Like we don't celebrate. We're playing football. We're here to win. Don't celebrate. I think they drew. It was one-one. They drew a, a late equaliser, and it was like Deco was celebrating, and he dragged him by his shirt and said, "We don't celebrate. We haven't won the game." Yeah, that's. A and I'll, I'll give one more for one more for Pete. Giorgio Chiellini. Yep, yeah. Stan. Fuck off, saltiness. <laughs> or Cannavaro. Oh, come on. Come uh, on. Yep, Stan, Cannavaro. Cannavaro pick. Bench, uh, Yep, Stan. The other one can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can fuck right off. You don't like Giorgio Chiellini then? No, absolute <laughs> absolute, absolute ask us, shithouse. Ask us in a year's time. It's still too close right now. I will, I will never, ever forget what he did. I think it was Bakary Sanya, where he tried to garrot him and take his head off with his own shirt. Oh, it's, it was at the uh, the game before, the semi-final, where uh, at, the, at, at the start, when they didn't for the toss-up at extra time, and he was shithousering with the opposition's captain. Yeah. At, at the toss. <laughs> for, for, he was absolutely shithousering. That's there. The, the quarter-final against Austria, yeah. Yeah, absolute shithousering. I, um, I, just, just a quick mention on that one. It's funny you say that. When that happened and Cellini was fucking about with their captain, I was with uh, my friends, Joe and Tom, and I said, if this goes to penalty, Italy are winning because of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> because of that. It was absolute shit, Alzheimer's, of the highest order. Um, yeah, um, yeah. there's a begrudging respect for him, but there's, no, you can fuck No, off. he can fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's too raw. The scab hasn't healed yet. I've picked the scab again just now because of that, you bastard. It's bleeding again. <laughs> and you're rubbing salt into it and all. Right. I got very salty on that one. You're absolute. Right. Okay, Ryan. Here we go. Go on then. All right. Japstam. Yep. Rio Ferdinand. Yep. Gary Palliser. Pallister. Steve. Uh, I was going to say Steve Bruce. Why was I going to say Steve Bruce? <laughs> 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 Rio Ferdinand starts, Gary Pallister's on the bench, and Yapstam's sold. Really? 
Yeah, Gary I'm Pallister was a better player. I'm, I'm selling Pallister. Don't forget also, when you've got to factor in the longevity of Gary Pallister versus the short tenure of Yap Stam. Yeah, but because that was he down made, to Ferguson uh, fucking him off. Well, no, technically, that was down to Yap Stam for announcing in his autobiography that uh, Sir Alex Ferguson had tapped him up before he was allowed to. <laughs> and he kept his gob <laughs> shut. probably the world's worst kept secret that managers tap players up. They I know. With, they did it with Rude Van Nistelrooy. They do it with everyone. Fuggy, for two years before he, he signed Rude Van Nistelrooy, he, would he was phoning him every other Saturday night to say, hey, oh, you had a good game there, son. Well done. And even when he was injured, get yourself fit, son. Get yourself fit. Come on. Um, everyone uh, does it. They still do it oh, now. Yeah, it still happens it. now. Oh, there's, there's no <laughs> but, two ways. You just... It's the unwritten rule. You shouldn't talk about it. But Yeah, exactly. That was it. I mean, even now they still do it. They don't do it to the players directly anymore because the players have got agents. So they'll ring up the agent and say, is your client interested in coming to us? The, the, the agent will say, yes, because I can make some money out of Look it. Look the Sancho United deal. <laughs> exactly. It was the same with Bruno Fernandes. It took about a year to get him over the line and all. Okay, right. I've got, an, I've got uh, before we do shit hours, I've got a suggestion for next week. Oh, the okay. best value transfers ever. That one's really easy for me. Elliot oh. Lee in January, whatever we pay for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the best overall pound for pound transfer. Leon Court, free transfer from. No, 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 uh, let's not Stoke. discuss it now. Let's not discuss it now. Save your views till next week. Leon Court. Keep them to yourself. And then that's just a suggestion. Now, next week, we've got to look at, um, we've got, a, we're moving out of defence, aren't we? We're moving into the midfield area. Well, so are we going to move yes. into defensive midfielders or midfielders in general? I think, well, I think uh, this is where I was, because I was thinking, are we going to look at left-sided midfielders? Or are we looking at left attack, left wingers? Because there's two different, very different sort of players. I, I, I think defensive midfield, because I think that's quite an important position. Okay, defensive midfield next week. And I want Brian. to get okay. my special mention in. I've mentioned, if people know me, they know who I'm going to say the I first know. name I is. I think I know. Yeah. Oh, is he French uh, by any chance? He is French, yes. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to go Bulgaria. No, he's French. Bulgarian? Sadly, when I was actually doing my research for, yeah. to, to torture you two on, um, on Pickbench Cell for Cholton, two full-backs came up for Cholton, for, two right-backs came up that I forgot about completely. Radistan Kishishev. Yeah, it was Kishishev and Luke Young. Oh, Kish. No, you said um, Luke Young. Luke did I say Luke Young? Oh, it yeah, must yeah. have just been Kishishev Kish, then. Kish was uh, Kish. Yes. Uh, Kish. And then Kish in defensive midfield as well. Kish, I mean, Kish is here anywhere, really. Kish did did Ronaldo in his first season at Man United. He absolutely did him. Put him on the floor, and Roy Keane came and picked because he was Ronaldo was. This happened right in front of us. Uh, Ronaldo was rolling on the floor, pretending he'd be a Roy Keane picked him up and said, "We don't fucking do that here. Get up." At that happened. Ronaldo, yeah, Kish done him though. I'll tell you what we also need to look at, skullduggery, cause, uh, and I'll give you an example of skullduggery at some stage. Um, uh, Charlton were playing Arsenal, and uh, Eddie Yowds was up against Dennis Bergkamp, and Bergkamp and Yowds were having a right old set to. The ref wasn't looking, and when the ref wasn't looking, and there weren't that many cameras around, but I have seen there is footage, uh, Eddie Yowds walked up behind uh, 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 Bergkamp and kidney-punched him. And Burkamp went down like a sack of spuds. Five minutes later, 
right in front of the ref, Dennis Bergkamp wreaks re revenge and gets a red card. Glorious, glorious. Well, then, surely the winner of that would just be Vinnie Jones. Who was it he grabbed by the nuts while they were... But Paul Gascoigne. Paul was it Paul Gascoigne? Gascoigne? He just yeah, walked up right. behind him, grabbed him by the balls, had a squeeze and a twist and went. Skullduggery. I like a bit of skullduggery when there, there was um, a, a, a lad called... Uh, there was Paul Davis at Arsenal, unfortunately tried a bit of skullduggery against Glenn Cockrell at Southampton. Give him a right-hander, shattered his jaw. And uh, it wasn't seen at the game, but the TV cameras picked, picked it up and he got a nine-week ban or something for it. So, skullduggery. This is just a couple of germs to dicker over. Right, shithousery, Finster. Come on, the czar, where are you? I'm here. The shithousery, it's a part two of the same story, okay? Oh, so, no. Is this from so, last week? No, 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 no. As in, the story has a part one and a part two. Oh, right, okay. So, this, this, year, this week, we're going to head over the pond to the United States of America to their major league bollocks that they have over there. Yeah. And I've decided to rename this major league shithousery. All right. Cause it's MLS. So it's major league shithousery in their, their version of the FA cup, which is really imaginary called the MLS cup because they're really imaginative. Yeah. The Seattle Sounders or Saunders. I don't know how you pronounce it. Sounders. Sounders. Like, Sounders. Yeah. They, they had a home game against Real Salt Lake on, I think it was Tuesday night. Go on. Uh, I'll read you the stats and I'll tell you the score. Seattle Sounders had 21 shots and 62% possession with 15 corners. Oh, I think I know what's coming. <laughs> Real Salt Lake had no shots, one corner and 38% right. possession. Can I can I just put, can I ask if the Seattle Sounders are they about as much use in front of the goal? As a cow's ass with a banjo, as that some people can be. Clearly. This is, oh, this is where we're going. How many shots was it they had? <laughs> Seattle had 21 shots. <laughs> Go on. Real oh, Salt Lake, zero <laughs> shots. <laughs> One corner and 38% possession in 120 minutes of football. Come on, tell us what happened. The game went to penalties. No! <laughs> I thought it was going to be an own goal, 1-0. Seattle Sounders, 5. Yeah, go Real, on. Real Salt Lake, 6. <laughs> oh, Shithouse, 1 goes to Real Salt Lake as a team. Congratulations. You managed to be so shit in 120 minutes of football and pull it out your ass on penalties. So congratulations. <laughs> and then the second one goes to their goalkeeper, David Ochoa, the goalkeeper of Real Salt Lake. He's a 21 American. David Ochoa. Okay, sorry. I thought you said Gilliam. I thought that was no. the Mexican dude. David, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're related. Probably not. David Ochoa, who at full time did a lap of the Seattle fans, <laughs> shushing as he went around. <laughs> he went around the whole <laughs> Seattle fan base <laughs> with just. Just, I'll find it on Twitter for anyone that's interested. He has a lap of all the Seattle fans in the stadium and he's just shushing the whole way around the ground. Oh, that takes some balls, doesn't it? After a nil-nil draw where his team have had no shots and he saved the penalty. So I bet, I bet David he Ochoa, in, in complete fairness, 
that might be my favourite shit house we've covered. So well done, Salt Lake, but especially David Ochoa. Oh, that wins hands down so far. Yeah, oh. I bet he wouldn't do it on a wet Tuesday night in the South London. I bet he fucking would. Yeah, it's a moment to be honest. We've got the balls to do it anyway. I've seen the other Big cojones. fans in Seattle fucked up for a game of Yeah, mucho grande cojones. Mucho grande mucho, cojones. Muchos grandes cojones. <laughs> That's glorious. That is absolutely <laughs> glorious. Oh dear! Right, listen. That's it. Well done. Um, uh, thanks to Victoria from uh, her game too for coming on. It was great to talk to her, uh, despite the fact she's a Sheffield Wednesday fan. But we'll let her get over that because uh, Johnny Jackson owns Sheffield. Uh, cheers, Ryan. Thank you. Cheers, Dan. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Good night. Bye.